Welcome everybody to the car cast. We return after the other half of the car cast was on the West Coast. Although we wouldn't have done road games anyway. But the Stars' last home game was not a car cast because our very esteemed colleague, Mr. Sean Shapiro, now of the Athletic officially, congratulations once again, was on his first paid NHL road trip. Not the, hey, I happen to be visiting family in Michigan, let's, let's hop on the trip, which you've done admirably. Uh, welcome, welcome to the CarCast. We now have an official member of the Athletic in the car. We had an unofficial member before. But now we have an official member and, I would ask, maybe, are now a vote, vote el- or voter eligible for the NHL PH Professional Hockey Writers Association Awards? Um, that is uh, TBD for this season. Oh, um, you might get frozen out because of gerrymandering, and that's wrong. Uh, I don't know. No, that's uh, that's something that's on the docket of things to do. Since I no longer work for the NHL website, I can be a part of the PHWA. I would think that it's, as long as you pay your dues, yes. they're welcome to join. Yes. You're welcome to join. But anyway, uh, this is the car cast after the Stars lose to the Winnipeg Jets 5-3. to three. Um, We're trying to make this a formal introduction because Sean's intros are much worse than his written prose, which he seems to start a piece off with real introduction versus... All right, so let's talk about the game. <laughs> Nonetheless, it does start the broadcast, car cast, but it's just, I gave him a hard time, so now he's making me do the intros. My lead, so, my, my, alongside Sean Shapiro, I'm Owen Newkirk. All right, Sean, take it away. My leads are better in stories than they are. And, uh, you know what's funny? I tell my wife this, that she is able to express herself, particularly when she's angry with me, which is not that often, I say with my fingers crossed, in written form versus the verbal argument. It's tough to argue with a play-by-play broadcaster because there's a lot of words spewed and it's confusing and things are going everywhere and there's a lot of digressions. I, I digress about digressions. You digress again. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. The uh, Stars lose 5-3. to three. They oh, have... no, no, no. You're way too early. No. You missed you miss the meeting. How was your first official NHL paid athletic beat writer road trip? It was a good trip. Yeah, uh, was, good trip. Uh, California, no less. It's not like you're going to Winnipeg. Correct. California. Not that there is anything wrong with Winnipeg. Winnipeg it's just a lot colder. Winnipeg's great. I booked a trip there for next month. And you're hoping it's not as cold as it is in the middle of winter there. Correct. But if um, it's in March, it's still winter. Yes. So it is still winter. But not. it may not be minus 40 winter. It's pack-a-coat weather. But oh, of course. Yes. March. Yes. By the way, as the greater DFW area will expect spring-like conditions and getting your gardens ready in March. Most of the rest of the country is deep still in the cold freezes of winter, hoping for spring to come in April. Yes. Anyway, I digress. California was good. It was, uh, it was, a good, it was an okay trip for the Stars. The Stars went <coughs> one and two on the trip. Um, <coughs> but uh, I'd like to think... Apparently I've forgotten how to drink water. We all have, we all have our uh, swords to fall on. We do. <laughs> Flaws. The uh, thought it was a productive trip. It was a good trip. It was a productive trip for uh, I'd like to think for people who subscribe and read the site. I'd, I'd like to think they got their money's worth for the uh, for the coverage from the trip. And uh, 
team provide more of the same for the rest of the season. Can I ask you one question? Yes. Why was there such a debacle about where Antoine Roussel was playing the other night on the road? Because it was reported, misreported, re-reported on Twitter about three different ways. I, I think Scott Burnside was the major culprit in that. Yes. So here, well, the major culprit, there, here goes the multiple things. <laughs> so game, the, the Kings game that morning, that mo there was no morning, well, there was a morning skate, but like four guys took part in the morning Back skate. Back to back. Yes. So, yeah. uh, Hitch says that morning that he's going to put Roussel with Spezza and Richie. Yes. On camera, and they put it on the start yes. website, too. Hitch says that morning, that morning he's going to do that, and that they're going to put Smith on the line with Fox and Pitlick. That's what he says is going to happen. The line rushes. Um, the first run, they went the way Hitch said they were going to be. Okay. They also happened that way the second one time. <laughs> I only watched, personally, I only watched the first two. Just to make sure that you got just, the first I one right. I just watched the first two rushes just to make sure. Then after that, I was taking notes or whatever else I was doing. I think I was talking to somebody else. Scott said that, uh, Scott said that, uh, Roussel was with Fox and Pitlick, and Smith was on the fourth line to start, and, and, and line rushes. And maybe they switched to it, maybe they caught on, um... But basically, once the game started, they were back to what they said was going to happen. The, uh, basically what's the By the way, that was a pregnant pause because Sean thought that there might be a Ford Explorer uh, blindly merging into our lane here on the highway, but they showed good judgment not to try to sideswipe us. So, See, he's always a good play-by-play -play man. He's always good. you got to set the scene. <laughs> it, this is an audio cast, and there's no way for them to know that your sudden pause of, in the middle of your thought was you might have mildly feared for your life. Maybe, yes. Or more of the, is this guy really going to cut me off and I'm going to have to hit the brakes? Yeah, exactly that. But let's keep the drama going. Yes. <laughs> the, uh, By so the way, I don't know why we're this happy. The game was not that <laughs> inducing of this kind of endorphin rush, but nonetheless, nonetheless, we, we trudge on. So back to real quick. So basically, line rushes during warm-ups could have been one way or the other. I'm 99% sure that it was Jamel Smith that was on the Fox line during line rushes, and then Jamel kind of gave me a... I didn't get to talk to Jamel at length this morning, but he kind of gave me an indicator that actually he was on that line, just kind of... He was walking out of the room, so I didn't get to ask him in depth for an answer. Okay. Um, the, uh... And so... But, either way, the moral of the story is we were told in the morning point blank that... Okay, Roussel is going to be on the line with Spezza, and Smith is going to be on the Fox line, and that never happened. Not and, one single shift in the game. Typically, we found with Ken Hitchcock this year that when he talks about his line combinations, and he's pretty forthcoming with that, and yeah. goaltenders, who's going to start, uh, he generally tells it like it's going to be. And he does change his mind from time to time. Sure, and but you, you can look, as a, as a human being, you can certainly reserve the right to change your opinion or... Your mind. Your mind. Um, that's what happens when the, the actual facts change. Not to get political, but when things change, you are, as an adult, allowed to change your mind. Mm -hmm. And there may also be occasional amount of gamesmanship with Ken Hitchcock. Yes. Um, so that's what happened there. Um, anyway, it was just funny because we're getting ready to do our Stars pregame show on the ticket, and there was a uh, bit of a cascade of competing reports from you and Burnside 
on Twitter about who exactly was playing with Fox, Fox and Pitlick. And again, it is the news of the moment, but it just it, it struck me as quite funny. And well, so you see the tweets happening. There was also we were sitting right next to each other. Right, and Burnside was talking about his poor eyesight as he contradicted, not as he corrected himself. Yes, and then. And I was really willing to give you the benefit of the doubt that it was you that got it right. Well, and then at the start of the game, everybody was wrong. <laughs> yeah. And so, so anyway, that was funny. And by the end of that game, Antoine Roussel was on the line with Ben and Radulov. That's right. So <laughs> completely different anyway. So we move on to tonight's game. The Stars had a very good first period against the Winnipeg Jets. They ultimately lost 5-3. to three. One goal lead. I'm not going to try to say this to make myself sound more astute than I am. But I did have a thought as they were out playing and, dare I say, dominating the Jets in the opening period that, man, it, it would be nice to get one or two more because you might get this team to wilt a little bit. Mm -hmm. And they didn't get that. Now, I didn't think at the start of the second period with the Stars getting uh, two-thirds of a power play carrying over from the end of the first period that they were immediately going to crumble. But that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I mean, if you go back real quick just to start, I mean, it's... You want to talk about Pedlick's goal? Well, real, real, goal. real quick, just, just for the record-keeping note, I mean, fastest home goal in franchise history. Yes. Um, Faster than Roland Erickson of the Minnesota North Stars back in 1977, who scored 12 seconds into a, a first period against the Cleveland Barons. Cleveland Barons. It was rolling an NHL team for two seasons. And got rolled into the North Stars. Correct. Yeah. Part of the Dallas Stars lore now. They scored a goal sort of against themselves. Sort of. But not really. Yes. Anyway, Joe Neuendijk holds the all-time franchise record as he scored seven seconds into a game. Three seconds faster than Pitlick. And Pitlick had the advantage of a whistle in an offensive face-off. Yeah. The Stars I mean, could... The stars seven seconds is what? You get the puck, you skate in, you score. Well, the Stars would have, that's, well, you think about it this way, Dan Ham uses shot from the neutral zone that Hutchinson gloved down, was, that was a seven-second stoppage. Right. So that's how that's how quickly it would have to be, like a shot like that. Where right, I mean, they won the puck back. I think if you win it forward and just skate in, you know, bang, that's about as fast as it gets. So anyway. Stars have a really great start, first period, but then they get to the second period and they just fall apart. And it's one of those, it's one of those examples where... We talk, and lots of coaches use this terminology, but Hitch uses it a lot, too, is you need your best players to be your best players. It's terribly cliched, but it's true. And yes. you also follow your leaders. And yes. tonight, nine seconds into the second period, the Stars' leader takes a very bad penalty to negate a power play. Yes. That leads to a goal that ties the game. And then... Yeah, they scored four yeah. on four yeah. while he was in the box. Then... And even after your goalie has made a save on further review, Carl Lennon stops a penalty shot by Patrick Line, which I thought originally he missed the net. But I did too, yeah, and yeah. I said that you had to go to the super slow-mo replay. By the way, great camera work yeah. to see the bottom outside corner of the blocker yeah. get a piece of the puck and deflect away. That's a phenomenal save yes. because his release, Line is as fast as anyone in the league, yeah. or so, faster. So your goalie makes the big save, actually. Well, the save. That, that was a ball That's where, an enormous yeah, save. Yeah, where Line is that penalty shot, you're thinking, okay, this is two. Jets. Um, and less than three minutes into the period. Yeah. Then you have Ben is out of the box. It's still a 1-1 game. He gets walked by <laughs> Jack Roslovic, yes. of all people, um, entering the zone, doesn't back check, and a guy who hasn't scored in what feels like 10 years 
might be a slight exaggeration, but again. Okay, Toby Enstrom hasn't scored since 2016. Toby Enstrom, uh, who's. Uh, we haven't seen the, the Winnipeg Jets since early November, but his beard game is stepping up. Toby Enstrom probably hasn't scored since he was Tobias Enstrom, right? Yes, right. I mean, he was Tobias, but last year he switched to Toby, right? Yes. I think so? Yeah. Anyway, so he scores as the drop pass, you know, defenseman that activates into the play, except nobody follows him back. Uh, I think Radulov was closer to him, and he was, what, 15, 20 feet yeah. or more uh, toward the other end of the ice than Ben when he yeah. got beat by Ra- Roslevic. Mm-hmm. And that's the 2-1 goal, and then from there... Power play. Power play. That was the Sagan. Sagan took a penalty, and Shifley scored from the slot. Boy, that power play is deadly. Mm-hmm. And then a um, couple of chances for the Stars. Yanmark had a look, and then Ben across to Radulov, partially deflected by Ehlers. Yep. Diving play, maybe broke up the uh, – gave Hutchinson time to get across. Uh, he makes a save, and then and then it's the line I show. Yeah. He's, he's, he's owned the Stars. That's, I think we were arguing before we started the car cast, not arguing, discussing it. I really thought Nikolai Ehlers was the best player on the ice for them. Now, Lyon scored two goals, including the game winner, but Ehlers scored the first goal, four on four, on a nice pass and play by Bufflin. That ties the game. 40 sec- 49 seconds in, I mean, that's, that's a huge turn of events. Breaks up that play, which could have been 3-2 yeah. on the cross-crease play. Then he makes the primary setup to Patrick Line for not one but two goals. Goal two assists, great defensive play. Uh, he was the second star tonight. Again, Bruce, as Bruce and I said in our post-game show, I don't know how many Stars fans care that much of us splitting hairs over which Winnipeg Jet had a better night. But uh, I mean, either way, look, the Stars did not play well. No, no. actually, they didn't play well in the second period. That was it. They lost this game in the second period. Well, they technically won the uh, they won the other two periods one nothing. Yeah. No. Sorry, two. Two nothing. Right. The, the red lock goal. Yeah. yeah. They won yeah. each of the other periods one nothing. Right. <laughs> Plus the one. Yes. So I mean they had two in the in the third, but yeah. a little too late. Yeah. So there you go. There's your there's your recap. Should we go to the lightning round? Or do you want to um, talk anymore? I, real quick, other... just, just on line A real quick. Okay. Line A now with 11 goals. 12 goals now. 11 goals in nine before tonight, according to the NHL stats. No, no, you're right. It is 10. So it's 12 and 7? Yeah. 12 goals in 8 games against 12 and 8. Right. 16 total points. I'll tell you, it's eight. unbelievable. Um, he's had Patrick's against them. He's had... Two hat-tricks. Two hat-tricks against them. He's had... That I know is my status right. He is a... Uh, as far as players that, I mean, well, there's a bunch of players in the Jets, but a few players in the Jets that have, dom- have had dominant games against them, against the Stars, but Line A just has owned the Stars in his career. Um, it was, uh, and he's, uh, and probably would have had the hat trick tonight if not for the tremendous save by Kari on the, uh, penalty shot. Oh. Ah, let's get to the lightning round. Speaking of goalies, Zach writes in. We have a couple Zachs, so Zach won. There are a lot of Zachs in the Stars fandom world. Especially um, on Twitter. Yes. All right, Zach number one. Why have the goalies been so inconsistent of late? What do you think? I don't think it's goalies being inconsistent. I don't. I, I think it's. I don't think that Kari was great tonight. He made he made the big save on the penalty shot. He was fine in the first period. He looked sharp, sharp. Um, look, the stars didn't help them him out at all. Exactly. But, but 
But I would have loved to have seen Kari make a save. Maybe, maybe one more. Maybe the Enstrom shots. Mm-hmm. Maybe I would say one of the Line A shots. But maybe the Shifley power play or the Healers. Look, they, they had a lot of odd man rushes in transition, and the Stars got beat. I'd love to see one of those maybe get kicked away. Yeah, the goalies have been inconsistent, but I think even more so it's the entire Stars team being inconsistent. Where recently, for the longest time with this team this season. They didn't let up the slot. They didn't let up odd man rushes. And now that's starting to creep in a little bit. Crumble a little bit. Yes. And so I think it's more of an overall team defense thing. And those are, it's harder as a goalie to succeed in that route. I mean, you look at Kari's performance tonight versus performance in L.A. And Kari was good in L.A., made a couple nice saves. But he didn't didn't face any scoring chance against L.A. like he faced in tonight's game. Um, And you look at Bishop, where they... Where Bishop goes, and he was not good. We go back to that San Jose game where he let four goals on five shots, and he was not good. He has to take some blame there, but also the team was the terrible. The team was also. terrible too. So right. it was uh, it was a collective. It wasn't like, no. hey, we had a great period, and our goalie let one in from the blue line yeah. on a beach ball. Should yeah. have stopped. So the start the starts have been the goalies have been inconsistent, but I think it's more of the teams being inconsistent right now. And that's a problem. And that is a problem. Yes. Okay. Um, I'll add a, an addendum to that. Okay. Because one of the questions we had in our post-game show I'll pose to you was, did Hitch pull Kari at the right time? He did it after the fourth goal of the period from Patrick Lining. His, his first of the night, set, he had two in the game. Should he have pulled Kari at that moment, or should he have done it earlier, was the question. I, I didn't have a problem with that, but the time he pulled um, I think I don't. I you know, honestly, I think he pulled Kari too on the. This is my team is not right. good right now. So here's the question. The only other thing I would have asked, and it wouldn't have been his fault, but again, goal coaches can get out and say, "Look, I'm I'm not trying to embarrass my goalie, but I got to do something for the team." And he could do that afterwards and say, "Look, it wasn't him." Yeah. Should the only question that I would pose would be third goal after the Shifley power play. The team was clearly slumping at that point. Yeah. What is that? Not saying that Ben Bishop's going to come in there and be better than Kari. It's just a wake-up call to the team to go, uh-oh, goalie change. We It's almost like a mini timeout. We need to play better. Okay, so actually, I thought during the game, that was something I thought, not about a goalie change after the third goal, I thought was, why aren't you taking your timeout right now? Yes, that, maybe, that, and maybe that's it. Maybe maybe yeah. the timeout should have been after the power play. Like that—that's what I thought. After they let up the third goal, I thought if you have your timeout. Why aren't you using it? Like, and then by, yeah. by the time they did use it, it was after Radulov scored with 46 seconds left. Yeah. And, and there's another question for you before we get to the other Zach. Should the Stars have started? Mean, it's you have less than a minute to go. You're still down by two. Should Ben Bishop have been on the ice to start that faceoff after the timeout? Probably not. What do you have? You have you're, you're, you're down by two. What does it matter if you lose the faceoff and they score there? Yeah, you have nothing to lose. So why not? I mean, they eventually push it forward into the Winnipeg zone and Bishop went to the net or into the bench. Why not just put a player in the crease yeah, or in yeah. front of the crease? Yeah, no, I have. I don't see why you did that. I mean, Again, yeah. it's too late. You, you have to score two goals in 46 seconds. Don't mess around. But again, we're 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 splitting hairs on something. The game was already over. Yeah, the game was over. It, it's just like well, it's just well, then it's kind of odd that you go back to when, remember when they were in San Jose, where they pulled uh, they pulled Kari with the game being 
5-2 at the time with 40 seconds remaining. Yeah, that was odd. And that was odd. That was San Jose. In San Jose, yeah. Like, and I almost wonder if, I mean, that was the other question, is that the team was down 5-2, to, to two, right? Mm-hmm. In the third period? I believe so, yes. Before Radulov scored to make it 5-3? Tonight, yes. That was at the end. So down 5-2, to two, and you're inside the final two minutes of the game, and we had made our way downstairs to get ready for the postgame show, and Bruce looks at me and says, why is Ben Sagan Radulov, who had been reunited in the, I think it was midway through the second period. Why are they out there? This game's over. And then Radulov scored, and I said, well, that's why. Maybe Hitch was just rolling. I don't remember seeing much of the Spezza, Ritchie, Jamel Smith line in the third period. Did you? I don't remember seeing much of them in the entire game. But right, yes. but specifically in the third period. So the reason why I say this is because I don't think they were rolling four lines they at that point. No. no. They might have been rolling three. Well, he's got his... There is a the hierarchy of this star. To be team, fair, you don't need to play your fourth line when you're behind. No, it's three lines is enough to recover. But it's the third game in four nights. So anyway, that's a bit of a problem. If you're, you know, when Hansel was in the lineup and you you had the ability to play all four lines because you you could see Hitch had trust in them and they don't have that now. No, he doesn't. He doesn't trust the special line. No. Although I actually thought that. Richie was okay tonight in the limited yeah. role that he had, and I thought that Jamel Smith once again was a bit of, a, of an issue for the yeah. the opposition. I, I want to add one thing on trust real quick that I like, and I, and I noted this in my story was I actually really liked it was a really subtle thing, and obviously it paid off as they scored the goal. But I really liked actually that after seven seconds in they get the offense's own face up. I really liked that they kept the Fox line out there. Um, after they scored. No, 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 no. For the oh, oh right. So instead of sending out, cutting out. Because I know. And saying yes, or Because I, I actually had gone through and recently last as of last week I had gone through and I watched the first shift from every Stars game for the past 15 games. Okay. And in the past, there's actually three separate instances where there would be a quick where the rat where the uh, Fox line would start, and there would be whether it was a shift that say that was 15 seconds or shorter, and the Fox line would get the puck deep and maybe force an offensive zone chance and he would have, and Hitch would immediately go to the Sagan line or the Ben line and and and, and give them and I actually really liked I just it's a, it was a subtle thing but I liked rewarding that line sure. saying okay we're gonna because if you can get that line scoring maybe it starts answering some other problems right but um, and that, yeah I mean it does because you really don't have a consistent second line yeah and as far as an, uh, secondary scoring, the third line is essentially the second time in ice time, yeah. but they're not the offensive weapon that you need mm -hmm. uh, on a consistent basis. And I could rattle off some numbers for you that are bleak about how many games it's been since Spezza, Richie, Ganmark, Shore, mm -hmm. Ellie have scored goals. Yes. Because they're in your top six uh, right now, or so, at times. At times. And that's disappointing because you'd love to have a one-two punch, and then the Fox line as your third punch would be great. Now, Hansel helps with balance of the team, but Hansel's not creating a lot of offense. No, not at all. What he's doing is shutting down the other teams from scoring and then taking some of the pressure off the forwards to score more, which then tends to lead to more offense because yeah. they don't have to push as much. And Hansel's only really doing that when he's healthy. He, not, not healthy, but he's only doing that when he can manage what he's going through. That's right. Um, and so, I mean, I was looking, I was thinking about today, of Hansel's... Of Hansel's 38 games so far this season, there's probably about 10 to 15 where he's been really good. Yes. But then there's about 20. The, of the rest, he's either been okay okay, or even bad just because. The other night in Anaheim was bad. Yeah. Hitch said he thought the first four shifts or so or four minutes were really, he was good. I didn't think so. I thought he looked like he was laboring. Yeah. 
But anyway, um, Zach 2 Next Zach, okay. writes in and says, Would the Stars realistically be better off ending third in the division or in the wild card against the Pacific? Well, we talked about that on our post game because we had the, that question as well. So I'll let you answer first and then I'll chime in. Well, the obvious, the for me, the obvious answer is, and you don't want to, basically the best chance for the starters in the playoffs is because in this, in this NHL world, this playoffs, any team that makes it, any team that makes it can go deep. That's just, it makes it in. It. It's just, yes. if you're playing, however, however, the Stars can't beat the Jets. Um, and Well, not since early last year, so last season. For, for Dallas, the best option may be to go, the best option would probably be a wild card team, go through the Pacific, hope you, hope you beat some teams there, and then hopefully the Jets are knocked off. If, you, if, you, if you're thinking of an ideal run into... I wonder if Nashville's a better team than Winnipeg overall, but the thing is, is that the Stars have had a good performance against Nashville this year. Yeah. They have been trounced mm-hmm. by the Winnipeg Jets. Yes. What is it now? It's 14 to 5 to 6? 14 to 6, yeah. In, game, in goals yeah. this year, in yeah. three games. They have allowed 35 goals against Winnipeg in their last seven. They've lost seven straight. That's five a game. Yeah. No, they can't. They can't be. That's a problem. They, if they're gonna, be, if they're gonna be in the playoffs, I think they will. But obviously, it's still a tight race. Um, I think that wild card spot may be better for advancing than than playing Winnipeg in the first round. Which How I about this though, Winnipeg just went into San Jose, St. Louis, and scored four mm-hmm. and gave up none, and really sat back in the third period. Yeah. And scored five in a period, and. Really sat back in the third, and they won. Two, I mean, nine goals in two games on the road against tough Central Division defensive teams, St. St. Louis and Dallas. So that's uh, pretty darn impressive, if you ask me. Well, as Alexander Radulov put in certain terms today, they're a good hockey team. Yes, and he's right. They are good. Um, can they be beaten? Yes. He can be beaten, but but again, um, it is troubling that the Stars allowed so much transition. The, the, the whole game is under Ken Hitchcock is built around not allowing those types of things. Yes. So that is a problem to really hit on the head. And, uh, you know, Hitch has got some work to do. And I, he, I thought that he said he starts at four power plays in the game. They have scored once in their last 14. It's not good. Or was it 14 or one for the last 18? I, uh, think, I think it was one for the last 18 now, yeah. It was one for 14 going into the game tonight. They're 0 for 4 tonight. So one out of 18 in their last five, six games, not good. And then one of those games, they went 0 for 0. Yes. So when you have those kind of players, and the beginning of the season, their power play was lights out. I mean, mm-hmm. they couldn't score 5 on 5, but their power play was great. It's been an inverse proportional scoring on 5 on 5 to... Uh, not power play two. They can't score much at all right now, and that's a little concerning. So I, I understand that leads us to the trade deadline, which is coming up Monday afternoon. That you feel very much like they need somebody mm-hmm. or two somebodies, perhaps, to really bring in the secondary scoring or balance. You have two. I mean, a good one-two punch, but at what cost? Well, and, and who's and then the other question, Sean, is is that okay? So let's say the stars just hypothetically don't make any moves at the trade deadline. Very, very possible. Highly possible. Highly possible. If that's the case, then they have to try to figure out a way to get in the playoffs. Says, yeah, I think they can do that. Yes. Can they go deep without secondary score? Maybe because if you can play defense and you can kill penalties and your goalie's good, 
which the Stars goalies have been mostly good. You can win playoff series 2-1, 1-0, like they did against the LA Kings the other night. You can scrape by. Mm -hmm. But if you get behind and you need some goals to come back in a game, Dallas does not have that in spades. No, they do not. So, here's where I'm going with this long-winded setup. Okay. If you are not adding now, you need to add next year. Yes. It could be by subtraction, but you need to add. I don't know if the Dallas Stars have the pieces in their minor league system that will be ready to go next year with the NHL team to, to add to their top six right now. Do they have some that in two, three, four years? Yes, for sure. But if they don't, that means they have to either make a trade or two to do it or they have to do free agency to do it. What do you think about that? And I think that's fair because if you look at the guys, if we say, okay, let's look at their minor league system, and we look at guys who are coming up. Let's maybe Gurionov can surprise us. Maybe. Um, this year to next one. I think he needs another. I still think he's a longer term project. And then the other thing, too, is you have Valor Valor and Chushka factor, too. Yes. And uh, you want to believe the best, and that'll come in, and, and maybe the couple years in the KHL, a little bit of growth, plus having Radulov around, a fellow countrymate, mm -hmm. with his work ethic might really help. But I don't know if you can count on that. I think that. I mean, look, Brett Ritchie had 16 goals last year. He's regressed to four so far this he, year. He's not even going to get it. I don't think he's on pace to, to score half yeah. in as many games. Um, Jason Spezza has gone the wrong way. And they're supposed to be in your top six. Martin Hansel, they keep talking about him being a top six center as far as minutes played, but he's really a defensive first guy. And if you could go Sagan, Spezza, Fox or Hansel in some order. That's a really great top four down the middle if, say, uh, Spets is put, pulling the offensive weight, which he's not. So I don't know where it comes from. Yeah, no, you have to. You Maybe, like, I'd love to see, like, I'd love to see Val yeah. come in and look good and be that winger that they need. And I don't know if he can be, though. That's I don't know. The other, I don't hey, know if he can it's, be. It, the, the re that's the whole point is that I'm not saying I'm, I'm down on Val, I'm saying it's an unknown. Well, I think I think you have to add. I think you have to look at it as where you have to add both Val and somebody else. You're right. I right. Even so, right. So you have. We're both. We're saying Spencer Richie. You'd like to see both of them in the top six. That was sort of the early season projection. Mm -hmm. Neither are. Yes. So tonight, for example, Remy Ellie and Devin Shore were in their top six. And Remy Ellie's not a top six player. No, I Devin like Shore's not. A top I like both, either. but I think they're much more effective in the bottom six because those matchups can lead to them being more productive players. Yes. So, if you have those guys farther down, that makes your balance, your depth and balance much better. Again, Rope hints. Could he develop into a scoring player in the NHL? Maybe. But, I, I mean, his first year in North America. So here's the thing about Hintz. Um, I I, my point is, is that regardless of which guys we talk about, uh, Jason uh, Robertson is, is farther away. Yes. Riley Tufty is farther away. Uh, Red Gardner is farther away. Red Gardner's not a top six guy either. Right, but you know, I mean, thinking about guys that are prospects that can put up points. Mm -hmm. Nick Camano, farther away, right? So, and I'm missing some guys. Frederick Karlstrom, oh, playing over in Sweden, loved. His, I like his game. Maybe he could again, a couple years down the road. So they have some really good pieces lined up for the future. What do you have for next season? And and. You need, you need to add another guy. Well, that's and that's, the thing is, they added Hansel, Pitlick, and Radulov, who's been, I mean, both 
Yes. If, if Hanzo was healthy, all three of those would be wins. So, again, I'm beating this, beleaguering this point. I think that you either have to add now, for now and next year, or you're going to have to make some major decisions. In the offseason, stars are going to have, and then you go, wow, you're retooling under the hitch regime in consecutive off-seasons. And that's a little troubling because you really like to say, well, can we add one here or one here, not two, three guys to really make an impact. Yeah, and that's also the other thing you think about going into this deadline, for going into the, this deadline right here, where the Stars have... They're not one player away. That's the other thing about this deadline. Where well, I think they need two forwards yeah. to play in the top. Because that's the problem is you say, okay, well, let's say let's say it's Rick Nash. Let's mm -hmm. say you, you sell major prospects and picks and you get Rick Nash. Is that enough? He makes them instantly better, right? Especially because you could have a twosome of, uh, let's say, Ben and Radulov, Sagan and Nash, or some combination of those. Yanmark can play on one, but then the other line. Who's that other guy? Shore. Ellie, Spezza. You're still asking another guy to elevate themselves. Which they, right. In a way and they look, haven't. last year Spezza was hands down going to be in the top six, and he had injury trouble. And now, I just don't know if you can count on that. So then the question there is, is can you add two guys and deal with it? And I just don't know if you can. At least not at the trade deadline. Yeah. You got any questions that I didn't get? Um, so we did tweet that stuff out. I'm, uh, I'm out. I did, I did not know. All right. Well, that's you know we've done what we've had to do. Stay tuned for Monday because it could be an interesting day or even Sunday. A uh, lot of tweets about Boston being heavily interested in Rick Nash, but that they're going to be working on some deal that may or may not take place tomorrow. Not going to be tonight. I'll tell you one thing. Boston's a pretty darn good team. If they are able to add Rick Nash to that, watch out. Yeah. Apparently, they're also interested in Brian Chiant, which I don't understand. But They added Nick Holden from the Rangers already, so... Yeah. They can't go for the... I mean, what if they added Nick Holton and Ryan McDonough? All of a sudden, they throw away all their next 10 picks. Yeah. We'll see. They had three number one picks, what is it, two years ago? That's the other thing, everyone, just to keep in mind real quick on the Stars' front going into this. Um, the Stars' picks are overly valuable to them this year with the draft. Particularly the first round. Um, particularly from my understanding, particularly the first three rounds. Okay. Um, because... First round obviously is big, um, and the stars, the stars don't want the first day one to go by without them not picking. For right, the stars have, as the host of the draft, mm -hmm. a real need to, which is is palpable, to be able to go to the podium in front of their own fans, and make a selection. And I believe the stars may steal an idea, and I don't know this for sure, but I kind of talking to a couple people, I think the stars. Try to do something special with that pick too. Like so, last year in Chicago, the Blackhawks actually had uh, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves announce the pick. That was pretty cool. And so, like the Stars would also want to do something like that. Whether I think they'd bring up Ben and Sagan. They or could do that, Uber or who knows? Maybe, maybe they bring Mike Madonna into town to do it, or something sure. like I mean, that. But it probably won't be Gallardi because he's already done it. Yes. Yeah, so it probably, but it would probably right. be they would probably do something for the fans like that. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Um, and from my understanding, it'd be too, pretty cool if they brought a guy like Madonna back, wouldn't it? Yeah. And or Sergei Zubov, or you know, I'd probably be if you're going to go with an old guy. Uh, they could player. just retire 56 while he's back for that too. Yeah, I probably wouldn't do that. They want, they, no, you <laughs> want a night on the ice. You want right. He's coaching in the KHL, so it's hard. To, that's 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 the problem with 56. Sure, they can figure that out. But that's not the only problem. But anyway, yes. uh, and then the other two, the 
two and three rounds, two three picks, they still want that kind of excitement early in the day because if you're as you're, you're right, because if you give up a, a fourth or fifth or sixth, yeah, then fans don't go, oh my god, I can't believe we didn't get a pick. It's but it, those, you know, the first hour of the second and the third round on day two is still interesting. Yes, because you're still potentially getting, you're still getting some guys who could be first round talent. You're getting some guys that right. Look at Robertson last year. Yes, exactly. Um, so it'll be uh, it'll be interesting what happens Monday. Um, I, my gut says the Stars probably won't do anything just because of where they are against the cap. But, you know, who knows? The other thing is, maybe tonight changes things. Maybe Jim Nill drives home from tonight and instead of hosting... And says, Jim, wow, we, he, we really are a step behind Winnipeg. Yeah. Or two steps. And says, you know what? We really need to actually actively shop more. Maybe a loss like this does something like that. They've lost three of their last four. Right. Maybe and and maybe and also something I think about too with it is I see there was I remember reading some of the quotes from the Pittsburgh players after the Broussard trade uh, mm-hmm. where some of them said well some of the players said this is great management wants us to go after it right and I think it's right they're they're buoyed by the fact that they've earned they've earned getting back remember Pittsburgh was five hundred not yeah. that long ago this season they've made, worked really hard and now they feel like they're being rewarded for what looks like a playoff team yeah. and a really good one right now by saying hey. Our front office is behind us. So maybe something like that happens too, where he looks at this game and says, "You know what? Let's go add somebody, something." Maybe he says, "Okay, you know what? Let's." Got to be at the right price. Yeah. Here's the one thought I had, Sean, and maybe I'm wrong. Okay, if they're going to spend a lot, it's going to be for a guy that's not a rental, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yes. Right. We keep throwing around Max Pacioretty because he's an intriguing guy with Montreal really crumbling at the moment in the direction not the way they want. He has another year on his term on his contract, so it's not like you're just getting a guy for a couple of months. I think you have to lose your first of that. Right. Okay. So, yeah. or even maybe a first two years from now, mm-hmm. that would be more possible. But my point is, is that if they're going to sell or buy big, it's got to be for somebody that's not just for the next two months. Mm-hmm. If they aren't, I wonder if you could snag a guy. And I keep throwing around Patrick Maroon's name because a I know him from the minors when we were on the same AHL team. I was working. He was playing. And also because I think he'd be a good guy for depth. And Edmonton is basically, they reported today, uh, the writers in Edmonton, that he, both Maroon and Mark Letestu were told to pack heavier than normal for their road trip, which is not so subtle. Yeah. But my point is, is what happens if uh, on deadline day, in spite of all this seller's market where there's a lot of teams interested and only a few selling, what happens if it gets close to the deadline and suddenly it looks like you're not going to move the guy that you want to get something for and the price drops a little bit. To me, that's where Jim Neal is lying in wait. Yeah. To pick up when, hey, we thought we were going to get, you know, for example, Brendan Davidson was traded for a third-round pick today. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Maroon could get Grabner second-round pick and a prospect. I would love to see the Stars snag a guy like him for, I mean, I don't know much about this Rykov guy that um, that was part of that Grabner trade with New Jersey. Um, he, that, that's a, that was an interesting trade because I don't know enough about that individual prospect. Right. Second round pick is a pretty good deal. Uh, but that was a type of player that if I'm the Rangers, the Rangers must think that's the type of player the Rangers must have. They must be high on. They him. must be high on him, and they must have some sort of assurance they believe that he'll come over from the KHL. Sure. And here's my point is that maybe they can snag something a little bit less than Grabner money. That's my thought. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you agree or not. Yeah. I look, if the Stars make a move, I wonder if it's for um, sort of last-minute bargain shopping because a team goes, 
we might just get stuck with this guy that's going to be a free agent in a month and a half, two months, and we'll have nothing to show for it. And we thought we were going to get this, but we'll take this because it's better than nothing. And you know what? That's probably the more realistic trade the Stars make, is if, if, if all of a sudden it gets to, well, teams like looking at, we're not going to get anything, but here's, but we'll take a fourth or fifth for a guy that's not going to resign for us. Right. And that suddenly goes interesting. Now, yeah. uh, I saw somebody talking about Thomas Placanics from uh, Montreal. Scratch today. Interesting, except for again, Placanics is a bottom six player now. He's not a top six guy like he used to be. Yeah. And that's not what the Stars need. And I don't think you're giving away assets for that unless you say, "Gee, he can play defensive hockey in center," and we don't know if Martin Hansel is going to play much. Yeah. The, the, one, the one guy who I would have liked on the market was Grabner, just because I love th- his speed, and he scored twenty goals. Yeah, because I, I, I thought he was a guy who could have, to use still word hitch like Steve's, he could have unlocked the top six possibilities a little bit. Right, because they're, they're lacking a little. I mean, they have guys that are fast in the lineup, but yeah. a guy that can stretch defenses and score, and then open up the guys behind him, that would yeah. be an interesting one. But again. Um, I don't know. Maybe that that was too much. Maybe the star said, you know what, we're saving our picks. Yep. All right. Everyone, thank you for listening. We will uh, be back on Tuesday. Tuesday, Flames with Glenn Gulletson in town at the AAC.